Hello. And welcome to Chris McGowan has a podcast two. Sorry for the um, break recently. Things happen, life happens, you know, you know how that goes. So I was watching TV the other day and I noticed something on the television that on November 1st, which as I'm recording it, it is Sunday, October 3rd, the return of the librarians is upon us, which made me think, you know what, I'll, I'll devote the rest of this month's episodes to just getting you ready uh, for the librarians. So, and just to get all that stuff out of the way, because it does tie into Magoog's con. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just want to do it. So I'm going to take a little break from whatever I had planned. And we're just going to do, today we're going to talk about Librarian's Quest for the, I'm sorry, the Librarian, singular, Quest for the Spear. And then next week we'll talk about the second movie, the week after that, the third movie. And then the fourth week we'll talk about season one of the Librarian's. And then uh, you'll be ready. You'll be ready to uh, jump into season two and get ready for MagoogsCon. So it all works out. So, let's start with the first movie, the movie that started it all, uh, The Librarian Quest for the Spear. Fun fact, uh, last I left you guys, I was saying how tricky it is to find the DVDs or the film, and lo and behold, I did find something on Amazon, and I think I think when I first looked, the version I saw was like, in Swedish, and I wasn't sure if it was an English language version. I I kid you not. However, I did buy something to see what would happen, and sure enough, it arrived. And it's lovely. It's a lovely uh, DVD package. There's a little introduction by Noah, clearly done at some sort of junket, where he just talks about the movie and some of his wacky behind-the-scenes memories. We have the movie with apparently 15 minutes of of additional footage, which I can't imagine what that might be yet, because I haven't dug in. But then I'll, I'll fully prepare for MagoogsCon, don't worry. And what else? It's, I think there's some sort of featurette with the visual effects person, which, you know, we'll get into that. Uh, and there's also, I think there's another commentary thing. So, so yeah, so you can buy the DVD. So that might be your best bet. It might be on iTunes. And uh, if you're going to just kind of wait it out, very likely TNT will run the three movies very soon. So so keep on top of that, please. Okay. So let's go ahead and dive in. Just some basic facts. Uh, This first movie is written by David Titcher, uh, directed by, uh, I didn't write his name perfectly, Peter, what is his name? Peter Winther. Acclaimed director Peter Winther. And basically what we have here, uh, although I'm sure it was done to be a self-contained thing, uh, it's an origin story. This is this is how it all begins, at least in terms of the viewer. Uh, I still have an idea of creating a fake podcast where I talk about the classic series of The Librarians, but that is such a Doctor Who in-joke that only four people might laugh at. I'm not sure it's worth it. But we'll save that aside, because that's getting off track. Let's talk about the movie. Now, I'm not going to go through and do a recap, because by now, you should have watched it. So it'd be silly for me to tell you what you just watched. It's dumb. 
but I will talk about some of the things that uh, play into the mythos uh, relevant to your interests going into the second season of the TV show. Clearly in this movie, they, they have set up, much like they did in Warehouse 13, of an ongoing and as far back as you can think of this figure of the librarian. And basically this librarian guardian, this this person, this um, warrior, if you will, is in charge of keeping these uh, artifacts, to use a Warehouse 13 term, but to keep these things safe, basically. I mean, they're in charge of cataloging them, making sure they are there, and kind of security. So so there we've set up in this movie some things we'll see later on in the in the other movies and especially season 1 of the show that uh much like again much like Warehouse 13 where you have those caretaker people and people who run the warehouse so does the librarian it's a mantle that, that gets passed on and we get uh Flynn's origin story you know very coddled, uh, lives at home, although he does live my dream life, being a perennial student. I think I've even had dreams where I was going back to uh, my college, and it was partly exciting, because, you know, who doesn't want to be a college student forever? But also partly worrying, because I realized I'd be a little bit older than the student body. We see Bob Newhart's character, who, I'm sure if this is your first uh, toe dip, into the librarian universe, you're probably saying to yourself, what is what is Mr. Newhart's character, uh, Judson? Is he real? Is he magical? Is he a, a, a personification of the library? What is he? I'm not sure if we get an answer necessarily, but um, clearly he's connected to the library, and clearly... He's either inherited some artifact goodness, or, or I don't know. We'll get to that. that. That's much further along down the line. But clearly Judson is a level above Flynn. I should stop calling him Noah. Uh, the character's name is Flynn. And as you'll see, I would say not so much in this one. This In this movie, this first movie, I would say Flynn's more Indiana Jonesy. But in incompetent, right? He's an incompetent Indiana Jones as we move along, I think you'll start to see the Doctor comparisons, the Doctor Who connections. This, I, I wouldn't say, is too much like Doctor Who. So, uh, what, what else do I want to talk about it? Oh, we also see this movie introduces the sword. Now, you, you might say to yourself, uh, of all the things I think is going to recur, the flying sword Excalibur probably isn't going to be it. You would be wrong. Excalibur is is a wacky side character we will see quite often. So keep keep your eye on that. All right. Uh, Kelly Hugh is is the gosh she plays all doesn't she always play um, villains except for Warehouse Thirteen where she showed up as well I can't even remember her character on there I think she was even partly a villain on there too but Kelly Kelly Hugh is the all purpose female uh, badass uh, villain. She pops up here. And I kind of, I think when I first saw this, I was kind of like, ugh, is it lame that she has a crush on Flynn in a weird way? But then I thought, eh, that's kind of an interesting spin on just that villain henchman kind of character. Uh, 
and I can't pass up the chance to talk about Kyle MacLachlan, who, uh, of course, makes this movie, not that it's not watchable, believe me, I'm a fan, but he definitely elevates the the game. And not to continue comparing and contrasting, but much like Warehouse 13's initial storyline with, uh, what's his name, the guy from Frasier, McGillicuddy, McGillins, McGollins, I forget his name, but uh, Edward Wilde is a former librarian that uh, Nicole used to be his protector. And so we see a little bit of how the library can change people and make them a little power crazy. We also see the Serpent Brotherhood, which again is the uh, the Sith, if you will, of the librarian universe. They are absolutely the main. They're basically Hydra, I guess, and I'm sure that's not a not too subtle reference to Hydra, you know, Serpent Brotherhood, Hydra. Uh, it's definitely the bad guys of this world and, and the library. And we again, we will see them again quite a bit uh, throughout the rest of this series. I'm not sure if we really know the origins of the Serpent Brotherhood. Here, they're just basically, you know, the bad guys. But I'm not even sure Kelly Hugh is part of the Serpent Brotherhood as a full-time member. So... That's something worth exploring later on in the mythos of the show and the world. Let's call out the elephant in the room here. The visual effects aren't the, aren't the greatest, right? It's 2004. If you go back to 2005 Doctor Who, you, you would see similar successful attempts and less than successful attempts. So I'm not faulting the technology at the time. I'm sure, you know, at the time it looked fantastic. And some of them actually do look good. But some of the jungle stuff is a little wonky, and sometimes I think that takes out a modern viewer. I just want everyone to relax. They were doing the best they could with what they had, and I don't think it really detracts from the story or the adventure. I think nowadays people might say, you know what, maybe we skip the scene with the bridge if it doesn't quite look good. Otherwise, people won't be nervous for our hero. But that's just me. I know, I'm not working on this movie. Um, oh, yeah, and I made a note in my, in my book of library, my, <laughs> my library book. I'm sorry. Um, I've, I noticed that the librarian-protector relationship is kind of the flip, at least in this, in this first movie, of companion and doctor, in that the librarian, at least in Flynn's character, is very uh, nervous, a little unsure of himself, and very and very weak. I mean, uh, you know, if he got an insect bite, he'd probably be, you know, Dunsey's. Whereas typically in a in Doctor Who, the Doctor is the one kind of leading the charge, and the companion is kind of the heart. In in this, at least in this first movie, uh, Nicole is the protector, is very much uh, strong, but has a problem letting people in. And thank God Flynn is there with his very weak body, but very strong heart. Uh, I thought that was interesting. And, of course, we'll see those dynamics kind of shift as we move along in the series. I do have a minor spoiler, but you know what? I'm I'm just going to say it. I was disappointed to know that we don't see the character Nicole after this movie. Now, you may say to yourself, what? 
Because at the end, clearly they're together. I don't think I know why. Well, I think I know why. I think Sonia, the actress, Sonia Walker, Wolger, I believe she was probably booked in some other series because she is a, a busy actress. Um, but let me spoil you right now. Don't get attached to these protectors. They are kind of, it's kind of like you're seeing a, a one-off story in the middle of a larger story. So maybe there's a whole bunch of other adventures with Flynn and Nicole. Who knows? But um, suffice to say, don't be disappointed when you don't see her return. And who knows? You know What's good about this big rewatch is that I think the TV show might offer an opportunity to bring back some of these um, one-off characters from these previous movies to kind of pop in in an episode to say hello, see how things are going. Uh, we do see Judson again, and we do see Charlene again, played by Jane Curtin, which she's fantastic. I feel like I'm ruining the illusion for you by telling you who's not going to be coming back, but you should have watched them all by now. You know, when I first watched this movie, this reminded me of the kind, I think probably watching Indiana Jones as a kid, this would be the kind of story that I would have written after having watched Indiana Jones. It has everything you you want. You're being chased by bad guys. You run into a native village and there's this big temple with all the passwords and, and, and the clues. So, so it has all those elements that really feels fun. And, and then the visit floor in the temple, is that a Harry Potter thing? I think Harry Potter did that too. And, and, and in my notes here, I'm just, I'm just looking at my notes. Uh, I wrote, if you were wavering before, Kyle takes over and will carry us gently to the end. Basically, that note was that Kyle McLaughlin, at about, you know, hour and 30 into this movie, he's like, you know what? I'm going to own this. I'm going to, I'm just going to act the hell out of it. And he does. He, uh, he just relishes in this role. And and he's someone definitely I would love to see return, uh, Mr. Wild. McPherson. That was his name from Warehouse 13. McPherson. And this Edward Wild character is not only like McPherson from Warehouse 13, but also like our master character from Doctor Who slash Missy. Very respectful of our main hero, and yet doing everything that they can to eliminate the good guys. Yeah, and then, I, you know, I don't want to think too hardly about the librarian quest for the spear, but there is a little bit of weird religious undertones. Not weird. I shouldn't say weird. But, I, you know, in, in this universe, God does exist. Uh, and in a Buddhist temple, it holds a Christian artifact. You know, not not trying to stir up controversy here. Not trying to get people to write in and, and express their religious views. You're all fine. I just thought that was interesting that uh, it's very much in that world. So that's interesting. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not one to stir controversy right now about the librarian. And see, and and, and I hate to keep making that comparison, but what Warehouse Thirteen did is that they would say that the event or just even the collective consciousness would infuse these items with supernatural powers, I guess. So it was more, it was more human based here. here, I mean, straight up, I wrote down here, well, God is real in this, uh, in this universe. So there you go. 
Um, take that for what it is. And then just when you think the movie is is basically done, I wrote I wrote here uh, in when they're in Mongolia and Flynn and Nicole get it on. <laughs> I, I I shouldn't laugh at my own notes, but I did. I have to read what I wrote down because. I wrote down, I am sex positive, but it does seem a bit random that Flynn and Nicole hook up. And and I get it. It is it is for a purpose because Nicole ends up, ends up ends up taking off. And the scene in the lobby is the first hint at what I think the librarian's tone begins to truly feel uniquely librarian. I mean, sure, this is like a pilot, basically, if you think about it. And a lot of these things, I kept, I mean, you know, I've, I've mentioned Warehouse 13 uh 500 times already but i think this this scene is indicative of of where they're headed in that you know judson's on the tv flynn runs down to the lobby and he's obviously wearing a towel so there's a little bit of of comedy a little bit out of sorts and you could tell that in the real world this is still strange so it's not like people fly on carpets in, in this librarian's universe. This is still a strange thing. And I, and I think that, that scene in that lobby, uh, if you're wondering where we're headed, that's, I think, where we're headed. And I think that's why I would consider myself president of the fan club. Also, to give you a little behind-the-scenes info, uh, the Bob Newhart uh, fighting people is apparently Mr. Newhart's first uh, fight sequence in his entire career. So that was pretty monumental and historic. Does it work in this story? Sure. I mean, he doesn't really fight anybody, and I'm, this is one of those tricky points where if bad guys have guns, why don't they just mow down the good guys? You know, when they're in the temple there, and they're gonna, you know, and Kamakaklan is chewing scenery, why doesn't some dude with a submachine gun just kind of take out the good guys? You know, if he did, we would have no show. So let's just let it go. And I'm going to take a quick sidebar. Have any of you out there played the game Mortal Kombat growing up, or even recently? There's a character called Sang Soong, and I've always wondered how you're supposed to pronounce his name. But I was reminded of his power to suck people's souls out the way Edward Wilde does here at the end. But I just always wondered, you know, as a kid, I, I, I dropped the T's saying soon. Maybe I was right. I don't know. I have no, I have no idea. We do finally see Nicole and Lana, Kelly Who's character, fight it out. Which, you know, we knew it was coming. So that's happening. And then basically we're left with uh, Ed being flattened by the uh, top of the pyramid. But the most important thing, I think, to to hit on is that at the end of this movie we clearly have we, we they, they mean they set up for the possibility of a future movie in that you know flynn is still the librarian nicole apparently is still his protector they are a couple i guess i don't know they seem to be they seem to be close um i won't i won't i won't project a relationship status on them uh, Judson is still Judson, still Judsoning. Um, and we say that there's time traveling ninjas, which you couldn't say a better three words to me. 
and they run off and are about to fight them. So, so there's a universe here, and there's adventures. Perfect for spinoff novels. What's also interesting is very offhandedly they mention a second bad guy organization, the Deadly Scorpion League, which is probably just a joke, but I take everything very seriously and consider that another rival organization to the Serpent Brotherhood. So where are we? Well, in looking back, especially in the context of the three movies and the first season of the TV show, this is this is the first outing. They're, they're trying out different things. There's much more of an adventure tone here. Again, very Indiana Jonesy, Very simple plot, but also kind of establishing this, the Flynn character, the current librarian, seeing his journey from being inefficient to somewhat competent um his whole his whole vibe is established here his weirdly oversized clothes is something that they continue to do not quite sure why but that's his thing which i'm okay with this also establishes the the library judson and charlene we establish that what's inside the library which is seems to be pretty vast we have our bad guys the serpent brotherhood a bit inefficient, I would say, but still, they are a threat. We also have the eternal struggle of the lure of great power making people choose poorly. I would say, well, this is not a spoiler, but our Flynn character should tread lightly because, to continue the comparison, both Warehouse 13 and Doctor Who have the anti-versions of our main heroes in there. And that there's a very fine line between doing what's right and doing what's selfish, I guess. So what did you guys think? Did you watch this? Did you say, bring on the next one, or this is lame? I, I, will, I will amend that statement to say, this, was, this did very well for TNT at the time in ratings. And I don't mean this as a sort of... <laughs> I don't mean this as a slight. Granted, they had a little bar to clear. I mean, they only needed a million or two million viewers to really consider this like, oh, this is, this is good. But it did. It, it did very well. It, it, as I said in the first podcast where I went over the franchise, it hit a demographic they were looking to hit. So pretty quickly, I'm not quite sure how quickly, and I could probably do a Google search, but they set up Return to King Solomon's Mines. That's a lot of S's in that one, huh? Return to King Solomon's Mines. The second movie, pretty quickly. I mean, that this came out in 2004. Um, and this is me clicking through my computer to, to look up. I believe it's 2006 that the second one, uh, Return to King Solomon's Mines. Yeah, that's 2006. So fairly quickly... They arranged for the second movie to be made. So there you go. Yeah, let me know what you guys thought of this, what you guys think of the series, and any questions you have, um, feel free to ask me. Chris McGowan has a podcast, too, does not have an email address, but you can ask me a question on Twitter at Magoogs, M-A-G-O-O-G-S. I have a Tumblr, ChrisMcGowan.net. It's a website, but it's really a Tumblr. And ChrisMcGowanNet at gmail.com is, is the email. You would think I would set up an email for the podcast, but you know what? I don't want to. 
Okay, I think that's that's a good coverage of the first movie. It is available on DVD. I do recommend getting it. Actually, I'm, I'm quite pleased with the uh, with the layout. I was kind of worried there wouldn't be a lot of uh, extras, but um, yeah, they made it look pretty good. If there's anything I missed, anything you feel I didn't comment on, let me know. And if you haven't watched the movie yet, don't you should not have listened to this. So that's your fault. All right. So next week we were going to dive into uh, King Solomon's Mines. Actually, the return to King Solomon's Mines. And, you know, if I think of other stuff to talk about in the meantime, I will. Okay. I think that's it. 